All right, so turning to Luke chapter 11, I'd like to read just the first, uh, let's say the first 13 verses. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, keeping this in context, I'm reminded of the fact that Dr. Luke, at the beginning of this letter, said this. I've decided to write a careful account for you so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. The Bible is perfect in its revelation of Jesus, the answer in God's redemptive story. If we're honest, life is difficult. If we're honest, we don't have all the answers. If we're honest, we don't have all the strength. If we're honest... We can't figure this world out, and we need help. When we're honest about those things, we find a God who for centuries has been reaching out to us, providing us help. And that perfect help is Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The perfect help Jesus lived a very human life. His friends, his followers said they noticed that he was a person who prayed. You might think, why would Jesus pray? Well, there has been, as was revealed to John since creation, a conversation between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They've been in conversation eternally. That should be encouraging for some of us who like to talk eternally. So, Jesus, while he was living a very human life, continued to talk to the Father. And his followers said, you pray, you do this prayer thing, teach us how to pray. 
And you may be familiar with the, quote, the Lord's Prayer. It's a, a power tool. It's a pattern for which we have taught on multiple times and we use in Celebrate Recovery and we teach, have taught on through the years multiple times. But I want to focus a little bit on the parables that Jesus gives us after the Lord's Prayer, when, which Luke says is connected. It's in that context, but it's connected. And in particular, you see on the screen today, we're talking about persistent prayer. And I know some of you are already not feeling too happy about that idea. But it, Jesus suggests it. So let's, let's at least have a look. And Jesus actually uses a word that does not easily translate from, from Greek or Aramaic into English. Shameless persistence. Impudence. Audacity. The word audacious. Bodacious. There are, these are some words that would help you round out the idea that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is specifically, and this is what I, I, there's actually a little bit of the sense of humor of Jesus in this passage. Because on the one hand, he tells a story that's very much about the customs of that time and place. But at the same time, he is encouraging them to do something that is outside of customary. So he's saying, you need to pray outside of what is customary. But he uses a story about customs. What are these customs? Well, I actually like to call this story that Jesus tells a Baltimore story. Because when I read it, having lived in a row home for nine years, my imagination goes to a row home. And the, the former comptroller of the city, mayor, governor, Donald Schaefer, who is responsible for the Inner Harbor and so many other things in Baltimore City, uh, mostly positive, some negatives. Donald Schaefer said that actually air conditioning were the downfall of the community of Baltimore City because then everybody shut their doors to keep their homes cool, whereas before that, everyone had to have their windows open and they knew what was going on in each other's lives and they were involved in each other's lives and they helped each other. They helped each other raise their children. They helped each other when, when they were in need. And in and, and this story... You get, I, for me, I just get this mental picture of the door is shut, but the windows are open. And the person comes in and is knocking on the front door and calling up to the second story row home window, which is open, to wake up the person. Now, what you, what you might not be aware of is that the laws of hospitality in the Middle East were strict. If a traveler arrived needing food and shelter, one was under an obligation to provide it. So this person that comes to knock on the door is under an obligation to feed and to house the person that has showed up at their house. Now the friend in the street who knows that the friend in bed knows that the friend who is in bed understands the customs, the expectations, the social expectations, and knows that if he were traveling from afar, coming to his house, that the person who's in bed would take him in, give him a place to sleep, give him food to eat, and knows that if he were in bed, and this person came and knocked on his door, that he would come and give him the food that he needs to help this person. A little confusing. The point is, Jesus tells a story based on understood customs and norms. If someone came and was in need, you were under an obligation to help them. This, I feel the need to explain this because it's opposite today. Now the norm, the expectation is that you don't help someone in need. 
I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that, like it or not, believe it or not, most people in America, if somebody comes and knocks on the door, hey, I need a place to sleep and food to eat, they might not take them in. So it's important for us to explain that in this day and this age, it was the norm. If somebody was traveling, even if they were a stranger, to take them in, give them a place to stay and food to eat. Now, I think it's also important because Jesus is talking about prayer for the need for provision to meet the need of someone else. That's the context. So it's helpful to understand that. So when someone else is in need, I'm compelled to help them, but I don't have what I need to help them. So I ask God to help meet that need. Jesus is teaching about persistent prayer because it is helpful, it is true, and it is necessary. Jesus knew that we would need this teaching to persist, to keep praying. And Luke, who wrote this down, and the early church who read this account, they knew people who were there when Jesus gave this teaching. And they knew people who watched Jesus' behavior. And they had watched Jesus be an example of persistent prayer. Jesus had occasions where healing a blind person, and it doesn't happen in complete healing the first time. And he prays again. Jesus persisted in the prayer over the city, mourning over those in Jerusalem who were not repenting, who were not recognizing Him as Messiah. Jesus was an example of persistent prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was an example of persistent prayer to them. So this story wasn't hollow, it wasn't just a teaching. It was a clarification of what they had already seen in the behavior of Jesus. And I know that for us, this may be difficult. Because, as I think is maybe best identified in the little book that you can get for free or for maybe a dollar by Andrew Murray called With Christ in the School of Prayer, we look at it and say, I don't always get the answers to my prayer. Hello? And sometimes the reality is that God's answer is yes, Sometimes God's answer is no. Sometimes God's answer is not yet. But Jesus is saying, when you might customarily not approach God about a subject, or when you might make the request once, persist, be audacious, be outside of culture, outside of the norm, be impudent, be persistent, be audacious, Pursue God in prayer. And you can't get away from it because God says, keep on, keep on, keep on. Jesus says, keep on, keep on, keep on. And I'm human and I've had the experiences of looking around the room, seeing your faces this morning. I know that some of you share some of my experiences and you feel this is difficult. But listen, Jesus gives us the teaching because it is true, it is helpful, and it is necessary. And because He gives us help. He gives us the strength. 
He gives us the ability. He called us to come to Him when we needed the help. Now, not too long ago, we also looked at, we went through the whole letter from James, which includes James chapter 4 verse 3. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. So let's be careful to make our audacious prayers of God based on the pattern that Jesus has given us in the Lord's Prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Start your prayer with praise. Your kingdom come. The scripture says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Pray first, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in me and my thoughts, my emotions, my decisions, my lifestyle, my resources, which are my time, energy, and money, my home, my family, my walk, my going around, my work, my, my study, my whatever I do. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Right? What this does is it sets our requests of God in the context of who God is and what God is like. So what my audacious prayer should be is according to the will of God and according to the character of God. I think Jesus sets the story in that culture of expectation of providing the needs of the traveler because he wants us to understand that we can make prayer requests of God based on his character and what a a normal, healthy, good expectation of God should be. So think about this. If God has proven himself to be the creator and the redeemer, God describes himself as faithful, patient, kind, forgiving sin, transgression, and iniquity, then when I say, God, forgive my sin again, I am praying along the lines of the character of who God is, of who God has revealed himself to be. It is not wearing God out for you to say, again, God, please be patient with me. Don't let your human thoughts and emotions and the culture of today keep you from praying those prayers. Jesus says, be audacious, be impudent, be persistent. Pray, ask God to be who God is, to do what he wants to do, to have his way that his kingdom would come. If his kingdom would come and everyone would come into alignment with his kingdom, we would not have stewardship issues, right? We would not have people hungry and in need of clothing, right? Because everyone would have an expectation to meet needs, So, in this submission, I'm going to exercise, right, the counsel of Solomon, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us each day our daily bread, right? I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. I will lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge him. What that says is I will not rely on my understanding. I will rely on God. Now, that doesn't mean you should not grow in understanding. You should grow in understanding. But you should grow in understanding first of who God is. The more you do that, the more confidence you will have. I personally 
daily when I use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern and I'm persistent in my prayer request, it helps me to remember what was revealed to Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. God said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So I say, God, help me discover your ways and your thoughts because I might not have the right idea, the right expectation about what you want to do in my life. Right? Now, when we're kids, we might want to drive the family car at 10 years old. Lord knows I did. Right? I was an adrenaline junkie and had already proven by 12 years old that I could not be trusted with speed. If a vehicle is going fast, right? So my father had wisdom and did not teach me to drive at 10 years old. So sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says not yet. Because God is a father with wisdom. And we need to understand what God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Now that does not mean that we give up praying. We still follow the counsel of Christ and pray with impudence, pray with insistence, pray with persistence. Some of you do not like this message today. It's okay. I understand. So we see that the early church followed this example. When Peter is locked up in prison in Acts chapter 12, they pray until he's released. And Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus, he writes about the spiritual armor of God, which I personally pray every day, taking on every day. He starts that with, having done all, stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. And let's see if I have it on the screen here. This one is meant to be an encouragement to us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 through 18. Look at the screen. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. The people that heard Jesus with their ears, saw Jesus with their eyes, learned from Jesus an example of persisting in prayer. It wasn't their idea. It wasn't something that they came up with. And that's why then they resonated when James wrote, James chapter 5 verse 16, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I love it when God shows up and answers my prayer immediately. But there is something about when you've been praying for something for a long time. And you know, my family and I have been praying for a new home for a long time. And in this process, we suffered delay. We had a contract on June 15th. So we've already heard the story. I'm not going to do the whole thing. The representative at the bank didn't do their job 
for a month. So the loan wasn't being processed even though we thought it was processed. And so even though we were supposed to get the keys and the paper be signed on August 9th, it didn't happen until August 28th. Three week delay. But we started praying for that house years before. Sometimes when something you've been praying for for years happens and you've been praying for something big, something with specifics, something where you know God delivered, and then it happens, it's like, woo! It's a little different than when it's just as soon as the thought comes to your mind, you pray and boom, it happens. Lord, can I have a parking spot? Bam! Not quite as meaningful. Are you with me? So there is also something sweet about the fulfillment of a prayer that has been answered that seemed to have been delayed. Now, previously, I've done a message on making sure we don't fall into superstition in our relationship with God, and I called it Miracle and Magic, and it's based on another story with Jesus and Jesus' followers, and I just want to reference it because we would be immature in our Christianity if we were not careful to note that Jesus is not teaching us that God is our genie in a bottle. God is not our genie in a bottle that we command. Are you with me? God is God Almighty, the God above all gods, the Creator, the one who said, let there be light. So there's a difference between asking God for a miracle or asking God for magic. And here's what I mean. A miracle is something done by God in his will for his purpose. And in most of the New Testament, most of scripture, what we actually see is the miracles point to Jesus as savior. So we should be careful. And when, when I prayed for God to deliver thousands of dollars we didn't have for closing costs and other aspects of our loan, a part of that prayer was that so the people involved in the process who did not know Jesus as Savior would see that God was at work. Because I want God to show who God is, and then it is easy for me to see, see that? And see this? Realtor? See this? title company person, look at the way the people of faith came around us and did this and did that. And what happened at the signing of the house, the other realtor said, like, you guys had like a supernatural level of patience. Well, I said, Lord, that didn't come by my flesh. (laughs) So a miracle is done by God in his will for his purpose. It points to him and it points to Jesus as savior. There's many verses that very specifically say that. Magic, when we're relating to God in a superstitious way, is when we're asking for something for our purpose to make us special. Simon the Sorcerer is an example of this in Scripture. Some of you are like, ooh, i got to look up that story. So here's just a few relevant quotes. I love Dr. E.V. Hill, one of my favorite African-American preachers. He said this, God is never late, but he has missed several golden opportunities to be early. E.M. Bounds, one of the best authors on prayer, wrote this. Too often we get faint-hearted and quit praying at the point we ought to begin. I think these two quotes from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. are connected in his life. I think his letters and other writings and speeches bear this out. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. 
We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. I think that those two quotes connected are about prayer. We must choose to persist. As Ben Farrow mentioned earlier today, it is not what we feel in our confidence about faith that is the strength of our faith. It is the object on whom we base our faith. This is also really important. Please, please, just look at this and consider this today. Andrew Murray, from With Christ in the School of Prayer, the book I recommend. Never try to arouse faith from within. You cannot stir faith, stir up faith from the depths of your heart. Leave your heart and look into the face of Christ. Hebrews 12 says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If you're not feeling it, look at Jesus. If you're feeling it too much and you think you're the one that made it happen, look to Jesus. Every day, anyway, look at Jesus. Faith in a prayer-hearing God will make a prayer-loving Christian. One more quick thought about the object of our prayer. Kenneth Jackson wrote this in a time when public transportation was relatively new and was not being used. He wrote this, while real trolleys in Newark, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Boston languish for lack of patronism, patronage and government support, millions of people flock to Disneyland to ride fake trains that don't go anywhere. <laughs> Do we avoid prayer because we don't believe it's going anywhere? Listen this morning, it's good to know your prayer is going somewhere. God is listening. God loves you. Jesus gave us this teaching that is true, that is helpful, that is necessary, because for us to persist in prayer is essential in this relationship with God. So what do we learn about God? God wants to hear our prayer requests. And we didn't spend time on it, but Jesus, fun examples, God gives good gifts. My son wishes I would give him a snake. God responds to persistent faith. Right? God wants to hear our prayer requests. God gives good gifts. And God responds to persistent faith. I think those are plain, simple truth of Scripture. Here's a few more. What do we learn about God from this? Jesus is an example of prayer. Jesus teaches us to pray with persistence. Jesus teaches us to ask God for miracles. You are not crazy when you ask God to do something that is supernatural. Jesus instructs us to do so. Are you with me? So what should we do? How do we respond to this? Well, ask God for specific miracles. Right? I, I would like... Next Sunday, when we come back together, 
ask yourself, if God had answered every one of my prayers this week, what miracles would have happened? Life is going to be disappointing, dry, and boring if I don't ask God for what is impossible on my own. Come on, let's get excited. What's the worst kid that can happen? Let's get some spiritual adventure, a sense of adventure in our faith. Let's ask God to do something that it would be like, whoa, are you kidding? Can you believe that? I got to be honest with you. When we bought our house, we were banking on three grants to help with closing costs. And two out of the three did not come through. And I did not see money coming from anywhere else. And the money came in. When you ask God for a miracle and then it happens, you get more excited about prayer. When we don't ask God for miracles, not so much. Number two, pray with persistent faith. It's clear and obvious that's what Jesus is calling us to. Pray with persistent faith. Number three, the scripture is really clear. Ask God for help as you grow in endurance. The scripture doesn't tell you to grow in endurance out of your own strength. It tells you to ask God for help as you grow in endurance. Thank you, Pastor Ben. That was so important to me. That was so freeing. It's so exciting. Number five, four, five, four. (laughs) Number four. Walk your faith journey with the help of others. If you keep any discouragement about prayer to yourself, it will not help you. God never wastes a hurt, never wastes discouragement, and you can't heal a hurt by pretending it's not there. If your heart is bruised, if your faith is bruised, it's not going to get better by keeping it to yourself. You've got to bring it out to the open and not just to anybody, right? Not misery loves company, not just singing the blues with somebody that only knows how to sing the blues. Come to a person that you know who has faith and bring it out into the open and walk the journey together. That was really good. Number five, never, never, never give up praying with faith. Don't give up. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your words that are true, that are helpful, that are necessary. We come to you, some of us with deeply bruised faith today. And we ask for healing. Would you heal our hearts? Heal us in our spiritual faith. Heal us in discouragement. Heal us in doubt. Heal us where we have stopped praying. Forgive us for stop, for stopping our prayer. Lord, we ask for healing, for restoration, for strength. Would you build up in us our faith? Would you help us be motivated to come to you, to verbalize it, to be specific? Would you help us to have courage to reach out to others in relationship that we could grow in faith together? Help us. Help us pray with persistence. Help us to go beyond what is the norm for ourselves, our own personal culture. Help us to go beyond that 
and pray for miracles without failing, without giving up, without stopping. Help us to be specific in our prayers. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for coming, for being here today. I love